I've heard a lot of criticisms of animal models of autism, and I actually get it. Autism is a uniquely human condition. You can't give animals autism, and if you could, so what? What would that look like in an animal? I've also heard that funding agencies actually need to stop giving money to support animal research and focus on providing services and supports for those with autism. Now, I understand the frustration, but I don't really think people understand the value of animal models. And given that a new model of autism was published this week, the monkey, it's time to go back and confirm why investigators all over the world are spending their time developing new models of autism and then using them to understand humans. And that word is really key, understanding. Another key term is improving treatments and safety. Okay, that's three words. And even if you don't believe that autism is a condition that needs treatment, hopefully I'll convince you that animal models are important. I'm actually going to steal some words of wisdom from three amazing women scientists who all were, coincidentally, at the UC Davis Mind Institute, but approach animal models differently. Jill Silverman has spent over two decades developing more complex ways to study autism-like behaviors of mice and rats. Some of the earliest animal models that actually I worked on decades ago were important, but the ways to study things like social and communication behavior have gotten even better. Instead of just looking at things like sniffing and grooming, scientists can now track social preference, sensory issues, and even vocalizations. Dr. Silverman has demonstrated that almost every feature of autism has been able to be seen in animals, which provides the opportunity to look at autism in an experimental way. A good animal model can be used to understand things like gene-environment interactions, test therapeutics, including but not limited to drugs and devices and nutritional supplements, and make sure those therapeutics are safe. Now, I'm not going to go into the full history of animal models of autism. Dr. Silverman does a great job in a webinar for Spectrum that you can view on the internet, and I'll provide the link in the podcast summary. The animal models can be naturalistic, which means they look at natural variations in different strains of mice, rats, or even monkeys to look at high social or low social behavior in animals and how genetic variation across the species can influence social behavior. Animal models can also be induced through something like prenatal immune activation in the mom or even sodium valproate, which is associated with autism when the mom takes it. If you want to know if something in the environment is associated with autism beyond just epidemiological approaches, give it to a mouse, a rat, or even a monkey. You'd never be able to do this in a human, but you can in an animal model. The third way to generate an animal model for autism is to give it a genetic mutation. That is, create a mutation of a specific gene, put it in the embryo, then perform in vitro fertilization on that model to create a mouse or a rat with a specific genetic mutation in a particular gene. Then what do you do? Well, you look at other genes in all the tissues, like the brain. And you also look at behavior. What do the animals look like? Now, this is where the concepts of validity come in. A model could have construct validity, which means the same thing that causes the disorder in humans cause it in an animal model. Well, in autism, how about 200 things working together to cause autism? So far, researchers are looking at one or two things at a time, but in an animal model, genetic and environmental factors can actually be given in specific doses at specific time periods and reared in controlled environments. 
Now, if you don't care about what causes autism, remember other people do. An animal model can also have face validity. That means does the behavior or brain markers look the same as autism? Again, autism is specific to humans, but animals are social and can show social deficits. They have brains and can show early brain changes that can be examined even prenatally. They also have gastrointestinal systems. They sleep. Scientists can look at these behaviors in animals. And finally, does the model have predictive validity? That means do treatments that work in humans also work in animals? Well, yes, for many treatments of autism, they started in animal models. Of course, not all of them, but I'd suspect maybe half of them. You can't give the complex and sophisticated behavioral interventions that people get to a mouse, but you can do things like enrich their environment and change their rearing conditions. Because there are so few interventions that help people that can be given to animals, this is hard, but there is predictive validity. We talked about this last week using maternal immune activation and treatment with an altered microbiome. I would argue that changing the microbiome should have actually been done in an animal model before it was done in humans, but unfortunately, that isn't what happened. Scientists are realizing the limitations of mouse and rat models and would love for there to be a more sophisticated model that displays more human behavior like the monkey, but I'll be frank, Mice are cheaper than monkeys. They have a simpler system and they're simpler to test. They also have a shorter lifespan, which means it's quicker to study infancy to adulthood in a mouse compared to a monkey. And until recently, and I'll get to this later, it was only possible to study genetic mutations in mouse or rat models. So looking at specific genetic influences, behavior and brain function was only possible in mice and rats. Now, monkeys are more like humans than mice or rats and can display more sophisticated behaviors. For many reasons, though, you don't want to do an invasive study in a monkey model. It has been done, and it's important when it's needed, but so far, because of rat and mouse models, it hasn't really been a top priority. The brains of monkeys are more like humans than, say, a rat or a mouse brain, so looking at how the brain functions in an animal model may need the monkey rather than the mouse or the rat. There are many reasons to use a monkey model and many reasons not. Also at UC Davis, Melissa Bauman and Cindy Schumann published a summary last year of their work in studying social behaviors in monkeys and how they can be examined in the context of autism. In a monkey model, you can make the rearing conditions and the social environment more diverse or robust. Scientists can look at specific social behaviors and interactions with different members of the monkey group or outside their monkey group. Monkeys use facial expressions and can understand facial expressions, so this aspect of early autism development can be studied. You can show a monkey a video and watch the response and even track the direction of the eyes. That's becoming more and more of a marker for autism in children, and it can't be studied in a mouse or a rat. Monkeys have eye gaze and eye contact, which of course is more like humans. Socially, they interact nicely and not so nicely with other monkeys, so those different types of social behaviors are noted, observed, quantified, and tracked. Researchers like Jill Silverman have been able to study social behaviors in mice and rats, and mice or rats are incredibly social, but they don't have the same identical social repertoire as monkeys do. But there's room for both, models all the way from fruit flies to monkeys. Each model has an advantage over another. That includes fruit flies and fish. 
Sometimes if a researcher wants to understand a simple neuron circuit, it's better to have a simple system to study it. And different models for autism aren't getting fewer, they're getting more. And one model informs another model. Not all research can or should occur in one model, even the complex social creature like the monkey with the brain most similar to humans. I support animal research and I'm a rational person. I wouldn't want something that could be understood in a fish to be studied in a monkey. I want those monkey studies to be saved for things that only a monkey study could tell scientists. In a paper in 2012, a researcher who studies autism in monkeys said this, Mice offer an ideal substrate for bottom-up studies in which the precise biological consequences of various genetic disruptions can be identified. Studies in non-human primates offers a complementary, top-down approach appropriate for identifying the neural circuits and patterning associated with the behaviors affected in autism. Addressing this disorder on all three levels, humans, primates, and rodents, offers the most hope for a translatable therapy for autism. So that brings me to a new study, the study of behavior in a monkey model of autism. Two years ago, a group created an MECP2 knockout. Now that was a model of Rett syndrome. Rett syndrome is a genetic syndrome associated with autism that primarily affects girls. This week, researchers at Harvard and MIT and China and Canada worked together to create a monkey model with mutations of the shank gene. These mutations are found in about 1%, maybe even more, of people with autism. It's also associated with a syndrome called Phelan-McDermid syndrome, and about 60% of people with Phelan-McDermid syndrome, or PMS as it's known, are also diagnosed with autism. They have increased rates of intellectual disability and epilepsy compared to those with autism with no known genetic cause, But there is a gene, and that gene is associated with autism, so it's a good place to start. The researchers use gene editing therapy to knock out Shank 3, that gene of interest. They did two things. First, they looked at the social behavior of those first generation of monkeys, and then they also bred those monkeys to see about the social functioning in their offspring. Now, that last part isn't ready for publication yet, but some of those in the second generation had the mutation. It will be really interesting to see in those with the mutation, do they share all the behavioral features? And if they don't, why not? In this particular study, only one of five of the total mutated monkeys was a female. More studies could be used to understand the female protective effect. But on to what they found. They found that monkeys with the shank mutation showed a combination of reduced mobility, increased repetitive behaviors like finger licking and cage licking, and impaired sociability that was similar to rodents and, of course, humans. They also show sleep disturbances. They were able to put a Fitbit on these monkeys and track their sleep over time. It took longer of them to go to sleep, and they also woke up more during the night than those without the mutation. This is similar to people with autism. Another thing they did, which also can be done in in mice and rats, is to examine communication. Mice, even from birth, communicate using sound waves we don't hear. They're called ultrasonic vocalizations. Scientists have to use a machine to hear them, and they do find differences. In the monkey model, the vocalizations have different frequencies depending on the intention of the vocalization and different meanings, and those vocalizations showed some differences. So why is this important? Let's go back to the female protective effect. 
Now, of the five animals who showed the mutations, one had a behavior that was not as severe and even very like those of the typical non-genetically mutated monkeys. That one was also female. Now, it also had the least impactful mutation, but more studies are needed to understand that. And this is something that should be examined in rodent models. The study is also important because if scientists want to do better to understand the different types of autism and be able to do so on a cellular level to identify intervention targets, or even understand the exact nature of social behaviors and how the brain works to support those social behaviors, animal models with social behaviors more similar to people with autism are needed. I didn't say autistic monkeys, and you will never hear me say autistic animals. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.